1: The legends are true! overboding
0: overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny! Yes!
2: Hello and welcome to the Roto-World Baseball Podcast. This is another episode in our series of team-by-team check-ins. My co-host DJ Short and I have been interviewing beat writers from around the country on the the teams they cover. We'll be doing 30 of these right up until the opening of the 2017 regular season. Um, This is a special episode for me because I have Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I live in St. Louis. I'm a Cardinals fan. If you've listened to the podcast before or you follow me on Twitter, you know that. And I think Derek Gould is one of the best beat writers in the country, so I think it's a good interview. Um, if you like what you hear, uh, please rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes. That's always a big help. Um, you can also find these episodes at Stitcher, Boom, the Google Play Store, and of course we always post them at the Roto World website. Uh, enjoy this Cardinals team check-in. Thanks for joining the podcast, Derek. I should say before we get going here that you and I will be on a pitch talks panel together at Delmar Hall in St. Louis on May 18th. I figure we have a lot of Cardinals fans listening to this who might be interested in that. It's a traveling speaker series with behind the scenes stories from members of the sports media. I don't know why they asked me, but I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, Hall of Famer Rick Hummel. Jen Langosh of MLB.com, Chris Raby of KMLX, Benjamin Hockman of the Post-Dispatch, and Craig Edwards of Fangraphs are the other featured guests. Again, that's May 18th at Delmar Hall in St. Louis. You can find ticket information at homestandsports.com slash pitchtalks or at, at my Twitter page. I'm sure I'll be tweeting about it a ton. Um, anyway, let's let's get to it. The Cardinals missed the postseason last year for the first time since 2010, finishing one win back of the Mets and Giants in the National League wildcard race. And then they had to watch as their arch rival, the Chicago Cubs, went on to win the first their first World Series title since 1908. Given all that, there was quite a bit of pressure on the St. Louis front office leading into the winter. I know you're already in spring training mode down in Jupiter, Florida, But let's talk about this offseason just as an opener. Um, They signed center fielder Dexter Fowler to a five-year, $82.5 million contract in early December, making what you called an over-the-top offer to land one of the best all-around players on the free agent market. A few weeks before that, they agreed to a four-year, $30.5 million free agent deal with reliever Brett Cecil. That's essentially where the additions end. Um, They're strong additions, especially from a weak free agent market. Though I'm I'm pretty sure they would have liked to have done a little more, maybe a power bat or a big trade. It's a loaded question for this team, but do you think the offseason went generally according to plan for the Cardinals?
1: Uh first of all, thanks for having me. Yep. And you know, I I think you kinda hit on it there with sort of the available players, right? Mm-hmm. Uh you know, they, they looked into the trade market, they were active in discussions. We know that they went after and and, and pursued a few center fielders, at least, had talks about him. Adam Eaton was on the, you know, on the wish list there, um, but they saw those prices just spike, and with a player like Alex Reyes, there were a lot of conversations that had to include him, you know, and, and they couldn't talk teams off of that. So, you know, that that put them in a spot where they'd rather spend money than prospects, and by that measure, uh, you know, I, I think this this offseason went as designed. I mean, the one one hiccup is they'd probably rather have Zach Duke uh, than have to go out and spend on Brett Cecil. But they did, and they identified him as the guy they wanted to have and that it was important to have a Duke-like guy. So they spent to do that, and then you have the – you know and then, and then you have the Fowler signing who really when they m- listed the the traits that they wanted to get in a bat and the traits they wanted their team to have it all lined up for dexter Fowler when it came to free agents he was the one and only fit, and it was a matter of could they make a trade for a few of these other guys who fit or would they have to try to just out distance everybody else um you know with an extra year with more money to uh, to get Fowler
2: yeah i mean I, I was hoping they would Pursue a, like a middle order power bat, some guy who could bat, mm-hmm. bat clean up. But uh, from from what I gathered from your reporting, um, a guy like Edwin Encarnacion, Edwin Encarnacion right. did not really fit their internal evaluations very well.
1: Well, so you know when you look at it, um, when you look at the uh, the guys who are available, so they sign Fowler and they kind of go, all right, here's the trade possibilities um, you know they, they shifted from there or the Sun Fowler after looking at the trade possibility they shifted to go say all right well maybe there was more options on the free agent market or maybe they just splashed cash around because they got the cash to do it mm-hmm. uh, they look at Mark Trumbo they look at Edwin Encarnacion of those two it became clear like you're saying that the internal reviews of where they fit Encarnacion was better than than Trumbo for them um, could he play first base? Uh, could that would that move Carpenter over to third? Would that move Peralta onto the bench? All those things, but it would give that monster cleanup hitter, a guy who could really feast on all the OBP above them, and that had an appeal. What didn't have an appeal is the length of that contract. You know, the, the Cardinals look into that and say, well, look, it makes sense for 2017, but all of a sudden it becomes more problematic come 2018 2019 you know is that a fit at that point and you know is the cost of doing a business the other the other side of that and you know people probably are tired of me bringing it up but it is a factor is you know the player the player gets to choose as a free agent Mm -hmm. and edward encarnacion you know could get a longer deal could see, see easily a longer career with a team that had a DH, and that you could understand why he would find that more appealing, um, and that would serve his internal evaluations better than to go to a nationally team. Uh, so I, you know, it was the length of the deal that just didn't compute. Um, the Cardinals are also in a spot where they they want to see what Johnny Peralta can offer. Um, they certainly, you know, he's in the last year of his deal. They certainly recognize that if they can get the best from peralta for a month two months three months that they can also maybe you know get a bunch of these prospects to that next level or at least a handful of these prospects to the next level um get you know any a few players even on their major league roster to get more attention and then maybe flip that into a deal that gives them something that they have long wanted to identify and that's another core player yeah
2: um let's move on to 2017. The, the big story uh, from the early part of camp is that Alex Reyes needed Tommy John reconstructive elbow surgery last week. He'll probably be out through the early part of the 2018 season. Um it, it's probably hard to tell at this point, but who do you think is the favorite to take his spot? Is that Michael Waka or Luke Weaver? Yeah. Does Trevor Rosenthal have a real shot? You said yes to Waka. Uh, Michael
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean Waka. It goes Waka Rosenthal Weaver. If you're if talking a little about those three, yeah. um, you know Rosenthal will have a real shot. They have not really discussed whether he'll get a start in spring training, but they're going to give him innings in spring training. And we've seen guys who just get innings who all of a sudden emerge and get a start. So um, you know you could see Rosenthal getting everything that he makes the most of. You know if he if he sees the opportunity and forces his way to get longer looks, then you're looking at him being the guy. Um, you know Waka is the pitcher that they want and and you know to to have said that Alex Reyes had already won the fifth spot in the rotation would be misleading right. you know waka Waka had a chance to beat him, and in some corners of the Cardinals, they thought he would you know they thought that they were ready for Waka to open the season in, as a starter and for Reyes to arrive and then shine. Um, at some point in time of the season. You know, the World Baseball Classic was part of that factor. Uh, Reyes' readiness for the workload was part of that discussion. All those things. And I think the real pinch of losing Reyes is the fact that, you know, they looked at, okay, there's 32 starts, 30 starts, let's say 30 starts, 29 starts for the fifth spot in the rotation. If they were 10 Waka, 19, 20 Reyes, that's a really good starter yep. Yep. you know that that and that protects both now you're looking at is it 20 22 waka can he handle it and is it seven Weavers seven lions Ten, you know is it 10 10 and 10 waka weaver lions is it somebody else you know that comes in is that a trade that suddenly has to be made now you're looking at a little bit different uh kind of quality uh or or not just quality but guaranteed quality for those 30 starts right.
2: Beyond guys like Matt Carpenter, Sung Wano, and maybe Led Mestias, Carlos Martinez is the big ticket fantasy guy on this roster with the potential Mm -hmm. to become a fantasy ace in 2017. Um, He signed a five year, $51 million contract extension at the beginning of this month. The deal includes two option years, and so it could potentially run through 2023. Um, I love Carlos Martinez from a fantasy perspective and a real life perspective, as anyone knows, if you follow me on Twitter, but the one big knock against his performance last year was the drop in strikeout rate. He went from a nine point mm. nine point two K per nine in 2015 to an 8.0 K per nine in 2016. Not the, necessarily the best way to measure strikeout rate, but that's, those are the numbers. Uh, do you have any insight into, into this? Was this a philosophy change? And, and what do you think we can expect in the strikeout department in 2017?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this was an efficiency change. It was a conscious effort to make him more efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are times where he can throw four pitches and get the strikeout. But those start to add up. And they were trying to talk to him about how do you get one pitch in the ground ball. Um, he can be and has been, as you know, uh, a brilliant ground ball pitcher. Yeah. He has that in him. He has a power sinker. Um, and then if he gets ahead in the count He can really devastate and get the strikeout They want him to be more efficient They need him to be more efficient and We saw, I believe it was in Houston, right? Um, you know, where we saw him really take a different tack Than we'd yeah. ever seen him before He dialed it back He was thrown at a lower velocity He was creating more movement He completely threw off the Astros uh, And then, you know, the next time out He was 97 again Mm -hmm. um you know you're finding a guy who if you'll permit me some latitude in the metaphor is learning how to pitch at different octaves (laughs) and that might change his strikeout uh you know but it will improve his overall game so like it's, it's probably one of those quandaries right like it makes him a better pitcher but less of a fantasy option so which one do you want
2: yeah um lance lynn a guy with a 3.37 career era and 8.7 career k per nine very good numbers is set to return this year from tommy john surgery i think he's like 18 months removed at this point Um, right he's probably only thrown a couple of side sessions in camp so far but are people talking about him uh do you think does it look good is there is there a chance at a full return to form this year
1: yeah 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 i mean he i mean he's faced hitters and He does what he does. He just peppers them with fastball sinkers, and, you know, he's just going after them. Um, He's just more of the same. And, you know, if you're a guy who buys into motivation, he has some of the greatest motivation of all. He goes out there, and he's a 30-start, 200-inning workhorse. There are riches at the end of this rainbow for him. Um, So he's very motivated. And you're right, I mean, he – he comes in after a normal winter. So he's uh he's had a chance to do what a lot of Tommy John guys like uh like Wainwright didn't, like uh Jaime Garcia didn't, uh like uh like Alex Reyes won't, like Marco Gonzalez didn't. Uh he comes in having been able to take a break after his rehab and then go into a normal winter. Those other guys they just end up doing their throwing program, rehab and then in the game and it's like an eighteen month. Straight cycle, and they wear out uh Lynn got arrested
2: yeah um yeah, I mean he could be a hundred million dollar pitcher at the least if if he has a yep. a year like he has had in the past, Cause he'll, he'll only be thirty years old established starter on that market, which is not going to have many established starters um yeah,
1: let's move on to Col- he'll be the, he'll yeah. be next year Samarja,
2: yeah, I mean, yeah, essentially. Uh, Let's move on to Colton Wong, who's been a frustrating guy for Cardinals fans and fantasy owners alike. Um, How committed are the Cardinals to him at second base? Um, Is this the year he can finally match the production to his his tools?
1: Well, that's what they want to give him every opportunity to find out. That's what the front office wants to give him every opportunity to find out. I mean, they, They have cleared the way for the choice to be every day at second base, Colton Wong. Um, they want to give him that comfort. They want to give him that latitude. I mean, heck, the, the way they describe the team, they even describe it as reflecting him. Um, you know, I'm not the only one saying that. That You know, in a lot of ways, the traits that they want to have as a team, Colton has when he's at his best. Other teammates are saying that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, he does not need to be a star. Um, you know, they think he can be an all-star at some point in time. They think he can win a gold glove at second base. But he doesn't need to be those things this year, but he does need to contribute in every way possible. He doesn't need to lead the team um, in anything. I mean, I guess if he leads the team in innings in the field, that'd be all right. But he doesn't need to lead in stolen bases. He doesn't need to lead in OBP, uh, you know, batting average runs, stolen bases, any of those things. But he does have to contribute in all of those ways, uh, most of all defensively. I mean, he is he's the fielder that they have who can steal hits on the infield. And if they want to improve their infield defense, they need reliability from everyone and they need him to pill for hits. That's, that's, what's going to make the pitching staff better.
2: This will be my final question. Uh, And you might not have a good answer to it, but uh, Brandel Gritchick is a guy who has a lot of tools as well, like Colton Wong. And he had a lot of fantasy Mm -hmm. hype going into last year. Um, after hitting so well over a short sample size in 2014 um, or 2015. Uh, do you know where he's going to bat? Is it possible he's the clean, do not. the cleanup man?
1: Okay. He is possible he's the cleanup guy. Yep, it is entirely possible. Um, it would be a bit of a surprise right. um, because it's sort of a non-traditional move It maybe makes a little more sabermetric sense than we've seen them make with the lineup in the past. I mean, this is you know, the tendency is probably to veer towards Peralta and Pascati when they look at it right Mm -hmm. now from a, from a cleanup perspective, but there's an argument for Gritchick and I mean, you probably heard me make it or at least explore it that, uh, you put a guy there who can thump, hit fly balls, and doesn't hit into ground ball or into double plays. You know that's very appealing when you have a lot of guys on base right. because of the OBP ahead of them.
2: I have I have heard you make that argument that really the five hole is not a bad spot for a guy that's you know a free swinging kind of guy. Well, not a free swinging guy, but like a, you know a, a, an exit velocity type guy who
0: you want right, him, right. you
2: want him to come up there when there are people on base so that he can do damage right. if he does make contact.
1: Right, and he and he doesn't erase two of them when he puts the ball in play, you know. Right. And Piscotty, in a lot of ways, is like an ideal fifth spot hitter, right? right? Yeah, I mean, you know, say that there's two on and, you know, um, we got two on and one out, and Gritchett comes up and he is a three-true outcome, fly ball, home run, strike out. Maybe it gets a run mm-hmm. in. Then you got a guy like Piscotty comes up with two outs, still a runner on maybe two runners on and his approach is going to be beneficial there and it might salvage an inning as opposed to spur an inning so i mean there's an appeal there um you look at the kind of lineup dynamics and how often that spot in the lineup comes up in those situations and you start toying around with it you could see why Piscotti would be really appealing at five
2: you want to tell our listeners where they can find your work throughout the spring We'll close with that.
1: Uh, if I knew, sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, I had a single copy box and a newsstand near you in St. Louis, right? There you go, yeah. Uh, um, and then as felt and at stltoday.com, and, uh, you know, we have the, the best podcast in baseball um, at iTunes and at stltoday.com and Stitcher and all over the place. Uh, we'll continue to do that. And, and you got Twitter, um, two O's in my name. And then uh let's see what else. I, you know, we we got a Facebook page that seems to, I think has been going now for what nine years. Yeah. Just Google them. Is that possible?
2: <laughs> just Google just Google Derek Gould's name. One of the best beat yeah, writers in the country, in my mind. Thank you so much for doing this.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Drew. Always a pleasure. And I guess uh from your intro, I guess I'll see you in May. I I uh, I'll, I'm. I appreciated that because it reminds me to uh, mark in my calendar.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you've got enough going on, but I'm very excited for it. Yeah, it'll be good.
1: It'll be interesting.
2: All right, I'll let you go. Thanks a lot. All right, thanks, Drew. Thanks again to Derek for joining us. Uh, we'll have multiple episodes per week during this entire series. If you like what you heard today, again, subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Um, you can also find these episodes at Stitcher, Audioboom, Google Play, and, of course, the Rota World website. You can follow me on Twitter at Drew Silv, that's D-R-E-W-S-I-L-V. You can follow my co-host DJ Short at DJ Short. Thanks for listening to the Roto-World Baseball Podcast.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play.